I just wanted to start off today and just tell you guys how incredibly thankful I am to be here today, um, that I have breath in my lungs, that I woke up this morning, and I just wanted to express how much I truly love each and every one of you guys. Um, this is an awesome responsibility, and uh, I'd be lying in church, which isn't good, but I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't so nervous. Um, but I know the word of God, I know that God's word will prevail. And I just thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I thank Pastor Paul for giving me this opportunity. And I just pray um, that I don't screw it up. <laughs> so, and, and I apologize because I failed speech class twice in college, so bear with me if we, uh, if we have any problems. But um, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a background about myself as we get into the text. Um, well, first of all, let me start here. This process of, of knowing that I was going to get up here and speak the word of God, which is a tremendous, tremendous responsibility, um, it's a hard one. And I want to urge you people to pray for Pastor Paul every single week and pray for all the other faithful pastors out there who rightly divide the word of God and his word of truth. Because this is not easy. You could just ask my wife how this last week has been going at home. Paul always talked about, uh, in conversations that we would have in the past, he would talk about um, Saturday nights, when, which are his study nights. Saturday nights, he would end up sitting there, and the spiritual attack that would come from that, and I had no idea what he was talking about until this week. Um, the enemy, like my brother said, the enemy is relentless. He does not want us up here sharing the good word, sharing the truth of God. He does not want us fellowshipping with each other. He does not want us meeting here with each other. What he wants to do is he wants to break us down, and we're seeing that in society every single day. He breaks us down. He breaks down the family. He breaks down the church. He causes stupid quarrels. Sorry to use that word, but he causes stupid quarrels between us, things that don't even matter to get our eyes off of the the true purpose of why we're here. Every one of our callings, which is the Great Commission, to go out and preach the word of God and make disciples among the nations. So a little bit about this week. This might not be too manly of me, but I'm going to say it anyway. I woke up yesterday as I was getting prepared to preach and, or to study his word and just couldn't stop crying. God revealed inside of me and just tore me up about the sins that I have in my life, the sins that I've committed in my past. That actually was probably from the enemy. But, and I just, I couldn't think of anything else but just how unworthy I am to be here. But God is good and he is faithful. He has saved me from the sins of my past. which are many. I should have been, as my brother Tom Polda always says, I should have been vaporized a long time ago. But he is faithful. 
His blood covers me and it paid the price for every single sin. And you guys as well, every single sin that we've ever committed. And I just want to encourage you guys in that because he revealed that to me in a new way. I forgot just how good he is. And he is so good, amen? A little bit about myself. I grew up in Chicago. Was that? You're not supposed to boo in church, but that's all right. Um, and I didn't know the Lord. I grew up Catholic. We weren't practicing, but uh, I knew that there was a God, but I didn't have that relationship with him uh, that was never instilled in me. My life was all about baseball. I grew up playing baseball for as long as I can remember. That was about 60 pounds ago, but, uh, but it was everything to me. It's what, I, it's what I lived for. Every single moment of my life was geared towards playing ball with an ultimate goal of making it to the major leagues. I practiced nonstop for an entire year, all year round, just doing that, purposing my entire life to, do, to, to these goals that I had set out before me. But for some reason, I had an opportunity to get signed. It fell through, and uh, God had another plan for me. Praise God for that, because if I would have went down that road, I would not be here today, I can guarantee you that. So I praise God for the doors that he closed. But in that, the great thing that he, he taught me through that as I became a believer was that relentless pursuit for, for baseball was just preparing me to have a relentless pursuit for God. He, he was firing me up, being diligent about my work. Maybe some work, maybe not mowing the lawn. My wife will yell at me for that, but but for the work of God, for preaching his word, for listening to his word, for teaching the youth. As I get, so, I, I get to do with Jamie Toonstra, just such a pleasure and a privilege to be able to reach out to people and share the good news of the gospel. And I thank him for teaching me that. So then at 22, I became a police officer. I was an officer for 10 years, five years in the Chicago area and five years in Kenosha. And again, it was all about me. I was not saved at the time. My plan was that I was going to put in 30 years and retire at 53, live off my pension, drive around the country with my wife, because we don't fly, and, uh, and just do everything that we wanted to do. But throughout those years, God brought me to this realization a burden on my heart now as I'm saved, a realization of how lost this world is. As a police officer, and for all my brothers and sisters that know who, who wear that badge, it is an awful, awful world out there. There are people dying every single day. Just today, I wake up and I, I flip on Facebook. I don't know why, but I flip on Facebook, and more people are killed in car wrecks. That's got to be... Six just here in Racine in the last week that I've seen. 
You see the murders. You see all of these horrible things that people do to each other. And I became hardened. I became very cynical. But again, I praise God for those times. And about halfway through my police career, the Lord really got a hold of me. As Danny and I were going through the hardest time of our life, our world was turned just completely upside down. And it was through that time that I got saved and that God really started to do a work inside of me. And it is only because of that time and that time that he saved me that I can actually stand up here and call you guys brothers and sisters in Christ, which I'm so happy to do. But now as I'm getting older, I just kind of started freaking out. I was thinking of uh, this week, I was thinking that my 15-year high school reunion was this year. And um, 15 years since I graduated I know some people are saying it's not that long, but 15 years since I graduated since I graduated high school, it seems like forever ago. The Adam then would have thought of, man, in, when I'm 33 now, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be in the prime of my career, hitting home runs and, and making a lot of money and, and living in a huge house and doing all these things. But that wasn't what God had planned for me. So then what ended up happening? Then the Adam at 22, becoming a police officer, same thing. Okay, well, baseball's gone, but I'm going to have a pension at at 53, and I'm going to go driving around the country with my wife and do everything that I want to do. And he put a halt to that. And it made me just kind of realize that as I watch for all of us fathers here today on Father's Day, it made me realize as I'm watching and looking, it's, My kids are growing up like weeds. They're growing so fast. I was telling Brad this morning that I could remember the smell in Chicago, as weird as that sounds. Not just the pollution, but the smell. It was raining, and I smelled that clean smell of the rain as on the morning that my son was born, and it was windy and it was cold. And now he's nine years old. In a couple years, I'm going to have him in youth group. And that freaks me out. (laughs) Because he's smart. He's a lot smarter than I am. But this got me thinking about the passage and as we get ready to get into his word, and thank you for bearing with me here. It got me thinking about the passage and it's actually a passage that my brother Tony was able to uh, teach and teach well in the men's Bible study um, on Tuesday nights. There's another plug for it. Um, Is James 4, verses 13 through 17. So if you would, let's open up the word of God and I will read. James 4, 13 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend time there and engage in business and make profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Verse 15, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, 
To him it is sin. I want to pick apart each verse that we have here because there's a lot in here. And um, I will do my best to get through it in a timely manner. But um, so let's look at verse 13. What does God tell us in verse 13? He says, come now, you who say that today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. So what is he telling us here? I was sitting there thinking about it with the new job that I have. It's a business job. I'm not used to business. And I see the way that we set up these hospitals and do all these things. And they say, you know what? That hospital that we have, 10 years down the road, that's going to be this huge thing. And it brought me to this verse. I was like, wow, 10 years. It's a long time away. I said, we don't even know if we're going to be here in 10 years. I pray that God comes before that. But as I looked, it's not bad. See, initially in my heart, I'm sitting there thinking how, how arrogant of us. But we know what his word says. We need to be diligent in everything we do. He's not talking about here that business is bad, that making a profit is bad, because it's not. What he's saying here is that, and, and before I get there, I'm sorry, let me back up. He says, and I often hear people say this quote from the Bible and actually misuse it quite a bit, that money is the root of all evil. But actually what the word says is the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's exactly what he's telling us. That's 1 Timothy 6.10. And that's exactly what God is telling us here. He's saying that making a profit with the wrong motives at heart is the issue that we're facing here. It's not that they're going out to do a job. We need to work. He says, if we don't work, we don't eat. But what he's telling us here is that if we, what, where's our heart in this process? Is our heart pure? Are the motives pure? Or is all of this stuff that we're doing for ourselves? And that's a question that we need to ask ourselves and constantly keep ourselves in check every single day. Is what I'm doing pleasing to God? And is what I'm doing in pure motive? And for a lot of us, myself included, that's hard. It's difficult. So now as we go to verse 14, he says, Yet you do not know what your life will hold tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. This verse really hit hit home with me. Um, And I know for many other people who have lost loved ones recently, um, as my family, we, we mourn the loss of Emily, and I thank you guys so diligently for praying for her. Um, It makes us think, and again, for all of us parents out there, he, he tells us our life is just a vapor that appears for a little while and it's gone tomorrow. It vanishes away. It's so quick. The average lifespan in, Amer- in, in this world is 67 years old. How many of you guys are older than, you don't have to raise your hand, but think about this though. How many are older than 67? How many of you are close? By the world standards, you guys are already past due. Sorry. But, 
But seriously, now, now, now what we need to think about here, that came off bad, I'm sorry. But what we want to think about here, though, guys, is what he's telling us in this text. Our lives are but a vapor. It is so, and our lives are precious. For all of us who love, who, who, who lost loved ones, we know that. Life is so incredibly precious. And yet when they're gone, it's gone. When we were there with Emily, it, she's a 12-year-old girl. Battled cancer three times. Seeing God do miracles. But that wasn't his will for her. But now I can come up here and say honestly, even though my, my motives may have been to pray because selfishly because I wanted her here and I wanted her here for her family, but God had a different reason for that. God's purpose and his ways and his will is far beyond what our, our ways are. His understanding is far more better than what we know. And I have to put trust in that. We have to put trust in that, knowing that, guess what? It may not make sense now, but in the long, you know, the grand scheme of things, he will make it known. So now for ourselves, in this verse, and this verse is rich with, with, with just so much information here and so much truth, we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing with the time that we have here? And this is kind of the main focal point of what I'm speaking on today, is this verse here. What are we supposed to do? Why are we here? So many of us just walk through life like with blinders on. We just continue to walk and continue to walk and continue to walk. Not being affected by anything that this word says. Guys, that can't be. He saved us from so much he has done so much for us that we need to live in the power of his spirit. Time is way, way, way too short. I see that with the youth group. How many of the kids in the youth group have lost friends from suicide or car accidents or something like that? Their life was not guaranteed. But yet we sit there and we say, I'm going to go. I'm going to plan on, you know, doing this and doing that and, and, and doing everything here for my pleasures. Guys, we were bought and paid for with a price. With a price. And that price is that our life is not our own. Once we say that he is Lord over our lives, we forfeit our lives to him. We surrender our lives and we live our lives as slaves, as bondservants to our master. So I just want you guys to think about that. And so now what are we purposing to do? I know as a father and on Father's Day, you know, I believe the Lord gave this to me where he says, God tells us in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen that with our kids, our family is so important. My brother Tony spoke about it in prayer. We need to teach them his ways. The world is pulling them and pulling them. And guess what? The world has a vice grip and it doesn't want to let go. 
The world is fighting for our children's lives. And if we don't ground them in the word, they're going to go. His word says right here in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, it says that we need to teach his ways uh, all the time, not just in Sunday school, not just at another church function, but as we sit in our homes, as we walk along the roads, as we lie down, and as we rise up. So all of the time, everything that we do, and that's even in the actions that we have. It's not just in, in preaching the word and doing that because, trust me, I've, I've had plenty of people fall asleep on me doing, doing that. It's in everything that they do. They're watching our actions. They're watching what we do. So I want to encourage us as we do this to purpose for this, for, for this moment because the moment is gone quicker than we can even imagine. But then also we need to share with everybody that we come across with daily, friends, family, co-workers, somebody that God just happened to put into your path. We should be praying for these moments, people, to sit there and say, how is God going to use me today? Not, church is over, I can't wait to go do whatever we do. We should be mission-minded every single moment of our life. I think about it when I was a police officer. He, he talks about it in, in Luke chapter 12, about being clothed in readiness. I remember sitting at doors. You sit there in a high ready or a low ready, whichever way that you're there. And as you're sitting there getting ready to enter a room, you're ready. Safety's off the gun. You are ready to enter that room and deal with whatever is in front of you. And that's the way that we have to be in preparing for his return. We need to be ready for his return. We can't just sit around and say, guess what? He's not coming for a while or maybe it'll be some years, so I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And then I'll get right at the end. You don't know when that end is. We're assuming on the grace of God. What does Romans 6.1 say? Because of this grace, therefore, should we continue to sin on in his grace? And it says, God forbid don't take him for granted. And I know these are hard words, but I hope that this is encouraging to you guys. It was encouraging to me. It, it challenged me in reading this word. And I believe that if we, I believe that if we as a church have this mindset, we will do what the early church did. We will turn this world upside down. There is power in his blood. There is power in his word. And I just want to encourage you guys, because this is great. He didn't give us a timid spirit. He gave us a spirit of power. But how many of us live every single day with a timid spirit? I want to go... Somebody else will go talk to that person. You know what, I, I'm going to do this, but you know what, my friends are over here, and I'm comfortable here, and I want, to, I want to do this. I want to hang out and do all these things. It's not right. Again, the Great Commission, we're called to share the gospel. We're called to give it to these people. They are dying every single day. And how bad on that day, when we face our judge, when we face our maker, how bad on that day is it going to be when he sits there and he says, so how did you do? 
well, I think I did pretty good. And he's going to say, you're going to see everything that you have. Like, like uh, uh, Paul's father spoke on, you know, with that little, I like that illustration that he had with the little, uh, I think he said it was a watch, it's something creepy, you know, technology. But it's the little hovering uh, uh, GoPro. Thank you. Watching everything. And as we look at our lives, what's going to end up happening? What are we going to say of ourselves? Are we going to be seen as people that are walking by the lost, who are just waiting? The fields are white, ready for harvest, but we're just walking by, saying, no, 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 somebody else is going to do that? We can't purpose that way, people. We can't do it. If that was the case, none of us would be here, because everybody would just be going, doing their own thing and walking by. So I want to encourage us, guys, Sorry about the guys that yell at me in youth group for calling everybody guys. Um, I want to encourage you to really purpose to do that. And I have this illustration here, and I hope I don't mess it up, but it's, it's really from, uh, it's from Francis Chan. And uh, I really appreciate the way that he was able to do it, and I'm not going to do it justice, but um, I want you guys to imagine, see this rope here? I want to encourage you guys that how we live our lives truly matters. I want you to imagine that this rope goes on beyond what Larry is doing here, beyond middle of the road there. It just keeps on going on forever and ever and ever and ever. Wraps around the world millions and billions of times. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. Okay? So this is us here. All of our existence, all of eternity, everything that we have, this is us. Now, I want you to look at this little red part right here. Right there. This is us on earth. This is the time that we have on earth, our average of 67 years on this planet. I think it's crazy the way that we live our lives. <laughs> There's so many of us, and me included, like I said, I'm not, I'm not calling you guys out, I'm calling myself out. When I was a baseball player, I wanted to live for this. When I was a police officer, I wanted to live for this. We live our lives for this time right here. You know what? I'm going to work really, really hard here. I'm going to bust my hump right here so that on this part, I can really enjoy my life right here. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. We're living for this moment here. But what about all of this? All of this right here. What about that? Because what we do here affects everything here. We need to understand that. What we do in this little blip of time affects our eternity with God. What does his word tell us? We will be known by what? Our fruits. Are we living a fruitful life? Are we living a fruitful life? Or are we just going through the motions? Saying, you know what? That's okay because I'm going I'm to invest and I'm going to do this stuff here and I'm going to have a good house, and I'm going to have a good job. Not that those things are bad, 
but I'm going to have a good job and a good house, but that's all we're living for. So I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to worry about anything else that I do. I'm going to live all for myself. And then when we get there on that day, right here where the red meets the white, and we get before the Lord, what is he going to tell us? Is he going to tell us, well done, good and faithful servant? Or is he going to sit there and say, you didn't do anything for me? You just lived your life. Not for me, not for my purposes, but you did it for yourself. He says about that, a bad tree cannot produce good fruit and a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. The bad tree, what does he say about the bad tree? Where is it going to go? It's going to get cut down and thrown in the fire. So therefore, there is our eternity. We all have eternity somewhere. And it's our choice to see where we're going to go. It's either going to be in heaven with the Lord or it's going to be in hell. That's the reality of it. Thanks, brother. So we need to just, thank you for grabbing that. So I want to encourage us as we look at our lives and as we look at this text, I want to encourage us to not live for ourselves and not live in the moment but to live with eternity on our mind. Now, as we look in verse 15, it says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. And something really jumped out at me on this, on this verse, and I thought that it was very, very interesting. James is telling us to look at our lives Verse 13, if we go back to 13, what are we doing? He's talking about prideful people. Everything about ourselves, not about the Lord. It's all about our mission, not about his mission. So now as we get to this, and he teaches us here how we're supposed to live our lives. I think it's very interesting, and I want you guys to look at the actual words here. It says, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Now in verse 13... The prideful, and this ties in with verse 16, the prideful, arrogant, boastful man sat and said what? If we live in this city for a year and we're going to make profit and do all these things. Well, here, the right attitude that James is telling us here, that the Lord is revealing to us, and this is what I found super interesting, is he says, if the Lord wills, we will live. Period. Just live. Not live here, not live there, not do this, not do that, but just to live, to breathe. What a gift that is from God. But yet sometimes I feel that we take it for granted. We just walk through life doing that. But guys, he says it just to live. He's showing us how to be humble and how to be on God's uh, uh, will, how to be in his will. And like I said, so now in verse 16 when he says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. I referred to that just before. That goes right back to verse 13. Everything that we're doing when we're boasting like that is all evil. And we need to flee from that stuff. So now, as we get into verse 17, it says, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So what does it mean 
to know the right thing to do and not to do it. 2 Peter 2, 20 and 21 says, For if after they escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandments handed on to them. That should challenge us. I read that and I was like, oh boy. Gives me chills. Because what is he telling us? We all here, and this is an assumption, maybe there's some people that don't know the Lord, and I don't want to assume on that. But we here proclaim to be followers of Jesus Christ. So then what does he tell us here? Then why do we turn back to the sins that we have? Why do we run back to the ways of our life that we used to live? Because what he tells us here is he says, it's better that you never knew him than to know the goodness of God and run back to those ways. Guys, the Bible calls us, I've had many opportunities to witness to people, and I praise God for that because, as you can tell, I can be a bumbling fool sometimes, but the one thing that people say, let me back up, what the Word tells us is that we are to be set apart. He says, be holy, be righteous as I am. Be holy as I am holy. That's a high calling. We are to be set apart from this world. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. So what is it, so, so through all of that, the one thing that I hear the most from people as I witness to people, as I share the word, the one thing I hear the most is, you guys are hypocrites. You guys do the exact same thing that I do. But you're talking about this holiness, and you're talking about doing this, but you guys do the exact same thing. And I don't have an answer for that. Yes, we're all sinful. I get it. Yes, we all fall. But guys, we're called to a higher standard. We are called to be holy and set apart from this world. We are called to flee the devil. Not to go be buddy-buddy with him. If we look back in, in James 4, verse 4, it says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world make himself an enemy of, makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not know that the, that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? Or I'm sorry, that wasn't right. Or do you not think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He is jealous, and what a truth this is. He is jealous and desires a spirit which he has made to dwell in us. He's telling us right there, if we have the love of the world in us, the love of the Father is not there. We don't love God. If we're running to the things of the world, that's what his word says. That's not me. This challenges me as well. This, this is, you know, more than anybody I've been down a long, nasty road in my life. I've been through a lot of stuff in, in my short time here on earth. And this is for me. 
If I run, it doesn't matter in my life how many movies I've seen, how many baseball games I've played in, whether I finished, you know, I don't even know a show. What's a show out on TV? I don't even watch TV. What? The Office. That I finished the entire season and I can recite lines from it, which I do like The Office, but it, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter here. Those things are all garbage. It's all rubbish. There's no eternal value there. So how do we battle against that part in verse 17 where it says that we know the right thing to do, but we do not do it, so therefore it is sin. What we do is we go to 2 Corinthians 13.5. I want you guys to go there right now and just look at this verse as I read it. 2 Corinthians 13.5. I tell this to the youth group all the time. There's always a question that Jamie and I ask them. And the question is, how often are you in the Word of God? How much time do you spend in quiet time and in prayer with Him? We want to gauge. We want to know. So 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Wow. That's harsh. That, that's tough. But it's true. We need to test ourselves with Scripture every day. If I were to ask you, and again, don't raise your hands, but like I asked the youth, how often are you guys spending time with the Lord? And that's for myself as well. How often do we spend and purpose time to be with God? I, I remember this was just two weeks ago, the last time we met for study. Would you guys say every single day you spend quiet time, prayer, Bible time, would you say three times a week? One time a week? Zero times a week? The one time a week only being on Sundays here? So last week I followed it up with a question and I said, uh, where are you guys at with the Lord? How is your relationship with God? How do you guys feel? in your relationship with the Lord? Do you feel a closeness, a love that you can't even just wait to, and I'm going to show a video here in a second, but a love that you just can't wait to, to see him and to be with him and just to, to, to spend time with him? Or do you feel kind of middle of the road? Eh. Or is it that we feel nothing? And there was a wide range of, of, of things. But it for the most part, it directly went in line with the people that were in the Word had a stronger relationship with the Lord. They were in a better place. But there was one student that was in the Word every single day, but felt kind of that middle of the road, eh, I'm not, I don't feel too close. One student. And so I asked the student, I said, well, how are you doing? What are you doing? And the student said, well, I'm in the Word every day, and I pray, but I just don't feel close to him, or as close as I should. So then we asked the next question, 
How are you in your word? What are you doing? Are you just picking out a passage and just kind of skimming through it and then, okay, hey, I read two verses today and I'm good. I, I, got, I got my, you know, star on my chest here for, for the day, for all you teachers out there. Or are you purposing to actually study his word? To actually spend time in prayer before you get into his word and ask him to reveal what it is that he wants you to know, what it is that he wants to teach you. And the light bulb went off in her head. And she was like, wow. I've just been reading my Bible to no purpose. Just to spend some time, almost like so that I could just say that I, I, I did this. I wasn't purposing to study and to really learn. Guys, everything that we need, everything, I'm losing papers here, sorry. Everything that we need to know about God, he wrote us this love letter right here. We don't need anything else, nothing. Everything is here about him, and he wants that relationship with us. But if we're not willing to put the time in and spend it with him, we can't expect to be close to him. It's like when I get home from, you know, working a 50-hour work week, I get home, and, and I go to my wife, and she says, Hey, Adam, how's your day? How did it go? How was your week? You know, and she starts wanting to sit down. And I'm running around picking up water bottles and toys at the kids. And, oh, yeah, yeah, it was good. And then I'm, I'm walking over here and doing this and stepping on Legos and, you know, doing all the things that a dad with young kids does. She's not going to feel a closeness to me. She's going to feel, you're not giving me any time. You're not spending time with me. You're just walking around doing what you want to do, getting all this other stuff done. These idle things that don't matter. What matters is the time that I spend with my wife. The time that I give to her. And on the other side, the time that I spend with my God. And the time that I give to him. Because he's given me so much more, so much more than I can ever give back to him. And I just want to encourage you guys as we, as we close here. And I thank you guys for being so patient with me and, and just being in a great congregation. Um, as we get in his word, he stirs up a fire inside of us, guys. He stirs up a longing and a desire not to do the things of the world, but to do the things that matter to him. We are on the same page that he is. Our will becomes his will. His will becomes our will. We are intertwined. When people look at us, I, we call ourselves Christians all the time. We shouldn't have to call ourselves Christians. People should look at them and say, you know what? Larry Balky, you are a Christian because I see the way that you walk. Penny, you are a Christian because I see the way that you love. I see the love that you have for one another. We will be known by that love. So now as, we, as I come to a close, are we that excited? Are we ready for his return? Is he going to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did everything I asked of you. You lived your life solely for me. Are we going to be that excited? Are we going to be just, can't wait, chomping at the bit to see our Lord?
And I want to show this video. Do we have it? Cue the video. Uh, I want to show this video. This is kind of what I think that it should look like. Wait until he sees his master. There it goes. When, the, when his master comes to the door, this guy can't stop leaping. And he can't stop jumping and his ears are flopping. Is that how we feel inside for God? Can we not wait? Are we leaping inside of our hearts, waiting eagerly for his return? I pray, I pray, I pray that each and every one of you guys are. I'm going to close out in prayer, guys. I thank you so much again. You guys made this incredibly easy for me. I thank you so much. And um, as I close, I, members of the prayer band, deacons, elders, if you would come up here, I know... This world's hard. There's a lot of things going on. You cannot do it alone. Come up with us. Let us pray for you. If there's anything here, guys, that's what we're here for. Don't just go running out of the place. Don't just go screaming out. I know I was long. I'm sorry. But come down here. Let us minister to you. That's what we're here for.